Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 539, where there's a bunch of Tots killer commandos. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you guys? Not too bad. How's everybody been doing? What have you been doing? Why have you been doing? These Why? Are <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why is Gamora? Why? That, that, yeah. Did you guys do anything, watch anything this week? Have you guys... Got a chance to get out to see Ant-Man and the Wasp yet? I did get out to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hey, Sean. Ooh, I did not. Oh, no. Oh. Well, Keith, what'd you, what did you think? Spoiler-free, spoiler what did you think? I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm always, I always enjoy Ant-Man movies more than I think I will. Yeah, I, I agree. From the get-go. The first one, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. It's None of them have ever been my favorites, but I like what they do, and I like that they do slightly different things. Yeah. And this was something else that was slightly different, and I really enjoyed um, there's some stuff that I'm not sure there's a character in it that I don't know how else they could have done, but I don't know if it was really a necessary thing to include. <laughs> um, now I'm curious to know who you're talking about. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Okay. All right. We can talk about it off, off here. Yeah. And I, I think the, what was really cool about it was the quantum realm and the world they built down there. And I mm. kind of wish we could have explored it a little bit more than we got to. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wacky. And it was kind of, it was an interesting wacky because, you know, it was a resistance movement and et cetera, et cetera. And I, it was just, I was fascinated by it and wanted to learn more and was a little disappointed we didn't get as much of it. But other than a couple of small things like that, it was, I I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Yeah. I think it's, it's, I think it's getting, I don't think it's getting hate because I don't think anybody hates it, but the critics panned it, but it still has a pretty good audience score. And I think the critics were being, I think the critics are, I don't want to say this because then it, it sounds like I'm I'm leaning into the the discussion of what it is, but I think that the critics are the honeymoon's over for the critics as far as Marvel goes. Mm-hmm. I think that they feel like the movies are being made for fans now, and so they're being a little more critical than maybe they could be because I think that a lot of them kind of nitpicked on things in this film that didn't need to be nitpicked because it's just a fun movie. I mean, the, it is setting up our big bad for presumably the you know the run of the the rest of the multiverse saga. But it, I don't, I think that they're they're giving us some undue hate or at least some undue negative critiques that I, I don't think should are you know are, are necessarily levied against this film fairly less levied against this film. And I do have to say that post infinity saga my excitement level for marvel movies is dropped considerably well yeah the, the, i'm the, just not it, it, there's just not as i don't know if it's lost a bit of magic to it or just we hit the height that i thought we were gonna hit well, and i don't see how we can reach it again i don't know that's it's, just it the last two avengers films set the bar so high that yeah. everything else has been you know paled in comparison so far so and for the most part the returning characters have been fairly solid entries ant-man i think is considered a fairly solid entry also yeah and then there have been a couple of new introductions that have been exciting and fun to watch but that's mostly just been on television not at the movie theater so i don't know and the other thing i i could complain about it is it didn't 
it straddled the line a little too much. Maybe it should have been wackier and a bit stranger yeah, and a bit more yeah. out there uh, instead I, of trying to kind of appease both worlds. That's a good point. I would agree with that. I think it could have got a little wackier too. Yeah. I like talking it. out the side of my mouth since I haven't seen it yet, but I, I think a lot of it, I, I, I totally agree with you, Keith. I've not been, I can't say that I'm not excited. I mean, obviously I'm going to go see the new Marvel movie, but it's two weeks out and you haven't gone to see it. Yeah. That's just, you would now, have been I mean, there regardless of your cruise. You would have found a way to see the movie, the opening exactly. week. Exactly. I personally, I think it's just Marvel fatigue at this point. I think between all of the new products that are coming on Disney plus and all those stuff is, and yeah, that, that post snap depression, maybe is a good way, <laughs> good way to look at it. But, uh, so far, I mean, I've enjoyed the films in phase four, but I haven't really been, knocked through the back wall of the theater by the films in phase four. Well, and really we haven't gotten with a handful of exceptions. We haven't gotten a lot of quote unquote films in phase four. We got a lot of television. And I think even Kevin Feige realized that they maybe needed to slow, slow the roll on the Disney plus stuff because, you know, we got a lot of content. I think what it felt like was when there wasn't a TV show on, there was a movie in theaters. And when there wasn't a movie in theaters, there was a TV show on. And I think that there was no time to kind of, breathe between those and, and build up some anticipation for the next project. And I think Kevin, I think Kevin Feige knows that because you'll notice we haven't got a date for um, secret invasion and they've kind of put uh, the, whether we haven't even gotten a date for Agatha Coven of chaos, which now I think they've pushed out a year. I think it starts next year. We haven't, I think the next thing after that was um, what was the next project that we were supposed to get that was in the, you know, well, besides, uh, the second season of we know definitely is coming. The second season of uh, What If for sure. Uh, and Loki. And Loki, that's it. And then Loki season two. I bet we only get those three uh, uh, shows this year because I think they're going to slow down on that output. So, which I think will be good. Yeah. Well, and especially when we've gotten, you know, these great TV shows mm-hmm. that give us time to explore all sorts of different avenues that we don't get to explore in the movies, it makes me a little less excited to to get the cliff notes in the movies yeah when i can get a deeper more enriching story on television and not have to pay a larger amount of money for a one-time viewing yeah i I talked a little bit about this on the blog of eternal stench where it's, it's interesting from the standpoint that in some ways the pandemic hitting when it did was the perfect breather for us because uh, yeah. I think it was a I little too Im- much, but yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine marching right back into the theater for the next post snap film. Well, I sure. That could, yeah. Going to see black, black widow right away afterwards. Yeah. That yeah. Would, and, and that was still a misfire because it's a good it movie. Came it should have come out way sooner. Yeah. Um, but it also had the double edged sword of because of the pandemic and then everything, let's go streaming and let's really focus on the TV end of things to, you know, entertain people while we're at home don't get me wrong very grateful for that that there was new content coming but at the same time it just became a yeah and and then especially if you know as a disney plus fan if you are both a star wars person and a marvel person then it's constantly there's a new show on oh bad batch is on oh this is on oh we're getting a new episode of that or you know and i'm behind on those too i still oh, haven't me watched too. i'm such a Andor, bad star even though wars everybody fan. tells me you know how fantastic it is so yeah. i am such a bad star wars fan i'm behind on Bad Batch and Andor, and I I feel guilty, but <laughs> we're only so much time in the day. Batch, fortunately, but yeah, I still haven't even started Andor. See, I would watch Andor over Bad Batch any day. Yeah, yeah. And then I had another friend. Bad Batch is also easier because it's a half hour. 
<laughs> I had another friend tell me today that I need to just go ahead and don't bother trying to play catch up with Picard and just jump in on season three <laughs> because it's that good. And you can go back and watch the two bad prequel seasons later. <laughs> right, right. I've heard the same thing that the first two are just not even worth watching, but the third season, it sounds like they finally got it right. Well, wait till they finish it because I enjoyed season one thoroughly until the end. Mm. So. Well, did you guys watch anything else? I we didn't do much. We we've been playing a lot of uh, Catan, which would oh nice. Yeah, we've that's become one of our new favorite games. Um, and then Holly ordered another one called Mysterium, but we haven't played it yet. It's a few years old, but we heard it's really good. The other thing I did was I have now finished reading all of the Miss Peregrine's peculiar books. Oh, really? I thoroughly enjoyed the saga of the six books there's a two ancillary books one of which is really enjoyable the other which is i i don't know if i'd recommend anybody really reading it because it's pointless (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately it's the most recent one yeah it's 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 a neat idea it's you know miss peregrine writing a book of how to live in the peculiar world but it's like uh, it's i guess after directly on the heels of the final book it feels unnecessary maybe if it had been the couple of years between release dates, I would feel differently. Uh, but the series itself, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I read the last three back to back to back. Wow. And they all kind of started to blur, blur together. It wouldn't happen in what book because <laughs> I was just consuming it that quickly. I uh, picked up the audio book of Ready Player Two at the library and am probably a fourth of the way through that at the moment. It was better than I expected it to be. Um, it's starting to pick up. I, I was a little concerned over some of the decisions that Wade is making, uh, in the, mm-hmm. in the early, early chapters, he does not come across as the nicest individual in the world. Uh, but we're actually into the, the quest part of it has just really started and it's starting to, okay, this is kind of what I was missing is more of this and less of the other. Uh, and then Mel and I really just kind of been playing, uh, trying to play catch up on our Oscar, uh, movies before uh going into uh we have to get our picks in this weekend for the pod versus pod oscar challenge that we are participating in again so we watched uh, marcel the shell with shoes on which finishes off our animated run it was cute not great uh we tried to watch tar <laughs> and i Uh-oh. feel i feel genuinely bad about this i think if you have a background in music you will probably really appreciate this film I think if you don't have an appreciation in music, um, I was, it, it's, it's very high minded and pretentious and kind of talks down to you because you don't have that. And it's very smug and, and admittedly as the story progresses, it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, and Kate Blanchett is great, but I, neither one of us could find ourselves caring enough to continue with it. Uh, we actually mm-hmm. turned it off about an hour and 10 minutes in. And we were just like, eh, you know, and then I went and looked at wiki to find out what happens. I was like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I didn't see any of that. There's a, there's a trail of breadcrumbs there that I guess would lead you to that. But again, it's, it's done in such a haughty way that it was just kind of like, it, it was very off putting oh. also off putting, but in a completely different way, we watched woman talking and wow, this is a very intense movie topic, um, that is both a uh, heart sickening and um it's a rough one to watch but it's a very good talky drama and we watched amsterdam which is not nominated for anything but uh 
we've it's kind of been on our list for a long time since it came out and i don't know why people don't like that one <laughs> we, we had that we caught it on the plane actually caught most of it on the plane coming back and uh so we had to to watch it again when we got home to kind of pick up a few things that you know plane noises and turbulence and stuff we missed out on but right, uh, right. it's just an enjoyable flick huh. critics are nuts <laughs> <laughs> they are sometimes so yeah been doing a lot of that anything else we uh well I, keith did you make it over to the con i did not uh just real briefly i think we should throw out uh that we had our uh great overland comic con here in topeka great overland uh, the, station comic con great overland station comic con thank you uh, this past weekend, which is a, a little local con here in Topeka that has been uh, started up and had a had a pretty pretty decent little get go for their first go around. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed it. I thought uh, it's a neat little venue, but I think it's almost too small for what they were trying to do. Although, um, as we talked about a little bit, the doing the sort of the offsite stuff that related to you know the bookstore had authors and 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 so on and so on. I think if you were able to get to the offsite stuff. I think maybe that made it feel a little bigger, but unfortunately it wasn't advertised well enough. And so we didn't really get to any of the offsite stuff. So we kind of did everything there at the station, but it was a good little and show. It is a little bit of a walk over to Noto. From yeah. The station. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's, there's not a real direct <laughs> route cause you got to mm-hmm. go down then across the tracks and then over into the Noto district. So it's about what, two blocks. Uh, yeah. Three mm-hmm. probably. To get yeah, to three by the time you put yeah. that turn in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, they just they had. If so, only we had the Topeka trolley. <laughs> <laughs> lot, lot of dealers. Uh, they had a little uh, area for um, uh, panels in the one room. They had a there was a gaming room uh, where they were doing um, one life fundraiser, and uh, then upstairs they had the artist alley and. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was, it's a well put together little con that I think could, could grow. And I understand you saw, but didn't really see Red Dalek. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to say anything show, to, to Eric, but yeah, uh, Red Dalek was there and, uh, he was, <laughs> he, he was, uh, down on the main floor, of course. And then up above, you can kind of look over, it's kind of a little mezzanine that you can look over into the rest of the, the floor of the station. And that's where the artist alley were. And, uh, there was a bunch of us setting up there looking over the rail and uh, he looked up and he said, the, uh, the stairs may be a challenge for me now, but, uh, you have to come down sometime. <laughs> 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 so that was kind of funny. He was getting into nice. it. So good show. Well, I'm glad it was well attended and well organized. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my other little thing that I did this week is going to be part of a new segment that uh, we are starting called Something New Two-Minute Review. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to each of us, uh, maybe not every week, but each of us are going to take turns picking something that's uh, new in the Doctor Who universe and doing a quick little two-minute review. Now, we'll be confined to two minutes. If we go a little over, it's not a big deal, but we are going to set a timer and uh, try to get it all within two minutes. And, uh, and my spoiler free. And it'll be spoiler free, correct? Because we don't want to, you know, one of us has listened to it or read it or watched it. We don't want to ruin it for the other guys. We don't certainly want to ruin it for people at home that were surprising you with this. So, um, but I'm going to do a, a two minute review of uh, All of Time and Space, which is the new 11th Doctor Chronicles. Now, I'm only doing the first story so that I can get it into two minutes. Um, and then I will probably review 
the the other parts of the box set as we go uh, along with this. So, all right, I'm going to start the timer, and I'm going to do like we do and start with publisher's um, summary uh, just to give uh, some taste of what's coming. So here we go, starting the clock now, and All in Time and Space, which is actually the title of the box set and the first story in this box set. And the publisher's summary is, as concepts go, it's a good one. An adventure and his friend traveling through all of time and space, righting wrongs and defending those who can't defend themselves. Yet, as its creator is about to discover, there are those who rather this show never existed. What's so dangerous about Doctor Who? Okay, so this is a cool, clever little story that does some really meta things. Uh, the main protagonist is a writer called Ellery Quest, and he's pitching a stage play. And what he describes is pretty much the actual and general plot of Doctor Who, and it's even called Doctor Who. Uh, the Doctor's companion, Valerie, are now attempting to make contact with Ellery because they want to be able to help him, and they have a warning for him. And they use storytelling mediums in order to make contact with. So at one point, they use a radio. At one point, they use, and this sounds really weird, but they become Punch, punch and Judy-like puppets. <laughs> and at one point, they even are communicating to him as as a, as a comic strip character in in a comic strip in a newspaper. Um, they're limited to these because this whole story takes place in the 1950s. But uh, I can't really give much more away without giving the plot. But I can say that the story turns in on itself, and there are elements that bring to mind the mind robber. If there's a little bit of a hint there in the Second Doctor's era. Uh, Jacob Dudman's 11th Doctor is spot on, and at times he, I just fell into it, and I was like, I was listening to Matt Smith. He's he's so good. And of course, we've listened to him do Top of the Tree with uh, young Kazran uh, Sardik from Christmas Carol, and then he also read for Minds of Magnus. So you guys are all, all uh, you know, with Time Lord Victoria, so you guys are familiar with him, but he does such a spot on job. And then the new companion, Valerie Rockwood, who's played by Sophia Ingar. She's a joy to listen to, and although I said new companion, I do think she joined the Doctor in the last box set, and there's my alarm going off. So overall, I highly recommend this audio, art, yeah, audio and uh, I'm looking forward to continuing the uh, box set. So there you go. There's my uh, something new two-minute review. Something new two-minute review brought to you by Insert Your Business Name Here. Contact Bradley <laughs> for more information. <laughs> He's only half joking. <laughs> <laughs> only half. O- only half. If you no, like he's not even joking. A segment of traveling the vortex. Please contact us. <laughs> you were invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the police box in the junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Goldbranson, Asad Khashki, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Who-niverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, 
and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. All right, well, let's move on to this week's um, full-length review. What are we doing this week? I forgot. The War Doctor Begins, Forged in Fire. From Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The War Doctor Begins, Volume 1. I assumed you were here to help. That you were on our side. Oh, sides. It always has to be about sides, doesn't it? Doctor of War, make your choice. We're too close to falter now. (laughs) Prepare explosives. You try my patience. You try mine. What are they going to do? What you have forced them to. What are they going to do? You may think you're being very clever, but what you're doing risks tearing apart the fabric of space and time. There are more things in heaven and earth, Rasmus. Or should I say, Khan and Gallifrey. I can't see how one Time Lord makes a difference. You will find a way. The renegade. The warrior. Open the time chamber. You want to know what is behind the wall. You will have your answer. It doesn't look very hospitable. Enter. Big finish. We love stories. The Doctor is no more, and his place a warrior, finally joining the Time War between the Daleks and the Time Lords. But how far will he go to end this conflict? What lines will he cross? How much of himself will he sacrifice? The War Doctor is only just beginning to find out who he is. Light the flame. The Sisterhood of Karn have a guest, recovering from his traumatic regeneration. To do what is asked of him, the Doctor has rejected his name and code. The Time Lords have plans for him and for Karn. Is he ready to light the flame of war? Bum, bum, bum. Yep, I think it deserves an even bigger bum, bum, bum than that. This is a great introduction for the War Doctor. Yeah. It is a great introduction for the War Doctor. And what's amazing about it is it it literally picks up right after Night of the Doctor. I mean, he's still on Karn. He's still recovering from uh, taking the elixir. And changing, you know, his his appearance and past his body hasn't even been buried yet. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal the the exploration of the Doctor as he's post regeneration and his dealings with the Sisterhood of Karn. Um, the fact that Cardinal Rasmus has basically come to collect him and was, you know, along with this other commander that was on a mission that he didn't really know about and is basically tasked by the president to take the eternal flame out of Karn in order to keep it safe. That's yeah, of course Rassilon would try to do that. That makes total sense. <laughs> right. And then of course, throw this commander under the bus when it goes wrong. <laughs> right. Right. 
I mean, there's, there's which was also satisfying. <laughs> oh yeah, because she was just a piece of work. I I had no complaints about the story at all. I absolutely enjoyed the entire uh, entire story and all the characterizations. I would say Ohila didn't quite sound right. Of course, it wasn't the same yeah, actress, yeah. so that explains that. But sometimes it felt like the I don't know if it's a reflection of Louise Jameson directing it, but sometimes it felt like. I could hear Leela in some of the characters. I thought the exact same thing. Okay, and, good. I'm not and alone. I, and I wondered <laughs> I that too, too, because I listened to it and then I listened to the behind the scenes and I did not realize until I listened to the behind the scenes that it was Louise Jameson even that was directing. Yeah, neither did I. So I don't think I even projected that. I thought maybe there was some influence there, but I thought the same thing, especially Ohelia and especially... Um, What's uh, her face? Lithia. Yes, Lithia. The, very much both had that Louise Jameson, Leela quality to them. And I wasn't sure if that was intentional or if it was not. But I, I too, agree. I, I wish that, and I can't remember the actress's name that played Ohelia in the, in the main stories, but uh, I had I had sort of wished to come back. I think this gal was passable, and there's not a whole lot of her. I mean, there is. There's a good balance of her, but not. I mean, not enough that it takes me out of the story that that the, that the voice is is a bit different. Um, but Jonathan Carley as the young version of the War Doctor, and I'm going to say young version of the oh. War Doctor because he is such a good John Hurt sound alike, and that this guy he's amazing that he's able to do this now. The reason I say Young War Doctor is because, and I think it's intentional from listening to the behind the scenes, uh, listening to them talk, but he has a younger twist to the voice. And at first I Mm -hmm. wondered if that was because he is a younger guy and maybe he doesn't, he wasn't quite into the edge of William Hurt's voice. But the more that I I listened to the behind the scenes, I kind of wondered if maybe this was intentional. And it sounds like Louise Jameson did a lot because it doesn't sound like this guy was primarily an actor before he took this role. And she's worked with him a bit. And I think maybe that was a choice that they took. And I think it was a a, a right choice because he sounds younger, more enthusiastic and more jubilant. And I think that works for the war doctor who's getting ready, basically who's setting off to war. He is, he's taken on this warrior persona and he's about to go headlong into it. And I think that energy is there, whereas, and, and we've listened to one and reviewed one, but we'll find later on that, that when we listen to the, the ones that John Hurt did, he feels more weathered and more war-torn, or, you know, war-worn. And I think that suits those stories as well. So I'm kind of glad they've taken this approach with this one because I really think it's going to bridge this era from starting from this and then moving into, you know, the end and closer to uh, uh, Day of the Doctor. There yeah, is I, would, I would agree 100%. An amazing amount of tap dancing going on in in this story. Um, we, we, we tap dance between the Doctor and uh, uh, Cardinal Rathmus, and they're kind of not exactly friendship- Grudging, begrudging respect, maybe. <laughs> they're 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 not at, they're they're not at odds. I, I I think they've they've reached a point in their relationship where you know they're they're okay being in the same room together. Right, right. Uh, and then very much not 
with uh, Tamasan later. Um, we've reached, there, there's a lot of tap dancing between these two slices of the Doctor's persona that for all of the lore that has suddenly sprouted about the War Doctor and the horrible things that he did in the name of peace and justice in the galaxy, but not in the name of the Doctor. Uh, and we're, we're kind of painted a picture. And I remember saying after the 50th how much John Hurt shocked and delighted me because I was prepared for him to be grumpy and he wasn't, he was still the doctor. He was still quite witty and, um, uh, and, and charming partially because he's John Hurt, but partially because they didn't want to completely, you know, put the edge on him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so coming into it, I was once again, prepared for a little more vicious of an attack dog kind of doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't, we kind of tap danced around that where he is still finding for being the warrior, nonviolent ways of handling things. And, and that was, that was really intriguing and fun to listen to as the box set went on that, you know, it wasn't always, I mean, while we start and he's rummaging through the, 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 the scrapyard on Karn looking for guns and, you know, making the comment about he's far too familiar with all the weaponry and yet still holding true to the doctor's ideals where he's not exactly using it. So that, that was, I, I felt uh, uh, very well done. And then the, you know, <laughs> Rassilon, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to, we're going to take the heart of your planet. <laughs> wow. You would have made a good Dalek. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've heard this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I loved the tap dancing that they did around Karn itself, where you guys know me. I like my science and my Doctor Who, and I'm not a big fan necessarily of the mysticism that arises from things. And Karn is all about mysticism. Right, Karn is right. all about the spirituality and the, uh, you know, elemental forces at work. And they very neatly wove a path between those two sides where, well, yes, there's a scientific explanation of this, but then the torch fails. And we're just kind of left with, well, Karn abides, man. They're going <laughs> to, <laughs> the planet's going to do what it's going to do. And it may not want you to do that. Um, and yet there, the, you know, it was just enough that it wasn't hammered over the head with it, but at the same time it was very much there. So I thought they, they just did a top to bottom, a phenomenal job with that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Jonathan Carley who, wow, uh, you know, just, uh, I, I wasn't convinced I wasn't listening to John Hurt through the whole thing from the get-go i had to keep reminding myself this wasn't him even though he was projecting a younger version um which as you said glenn it was absolutely the right decision um to to, to give him that youthful exuberance and energy and yet it still sounds like john hurt yeah mm-hmm. just an incredible performance um so yeah there's there's not very little uh, I think that could be said negatively about this story. It was so well done. Back to the uh, the balance they strike with the sisterhood and Karn and Gallifrey. I like that it it continues to further explore that um, that difference and that budding of 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 styles and uh, their history. Because you know the the sister of Karn, as we learned from Brandon Morbius and and even some more in depth in some of the books. You know that that's what Gallifrey was. They they were the spiritual leaders on Gallifrey before they were you know 
cast out politically and then, you know, exiled by Rassilon. And so this kind of does, it doesn't go, you know, it's not a full exploration, but it goes further to kind of expand that and explore that a little bit too. And, and I'm with you. I kind of like the, the balance that it strikes between the technological and the spiritual uh, aspects of both sides of that. And it's something very Rassilon for him to, you know, okay, I'm back in power. Hey, I still have a grudge against these people. Right, right. <laughs> let's, let's clean up a few well, loose ends. Yeah, they, they still well, have something that he wants. So Yeah. Yeah. And and even if it's not, you know, a grudge, it's still a slightly pragmatic, albeit egotistical thing to go, oh, that's something we can't let fall in the Daleks' hands. We got to get that under our house. Right, mm-hmm. right. I, I can totally see why Rassilon would decide to do this sort of thing without caring what happened to the the Sisterhood of Karn. Oh, I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind he knew what would happen. <laughs> uh, he knew what would happen. He just for, care from Rassilon, yeah, from Rassilon's right. point of view, that's a lucky strike bonus. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We're we're doing this for the good of the colony, and the fact that you're not going to survive, well, <laughs> darn. <laughs> oh well. Sucks to be you. And it makes me like Rasmus more that he didn't really know what was going on and really chose the doctor's side in the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Using the time lock to protect Karn and all that stuff. Well, let's move on to the next one. Lionhearts. Seeking out Gallifrey's new warrior, Commodore Tamazan finds that the, war do- that the war doctor has invited himself on a secret mission. The time sort of... Tharls are in danger, and an old friend of the Doctor's is trapped. But Birok knows better than to trust either side in this war. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I'll say it. I really liked this story. So I um, have a confession. I think I'm probably going <laughs> to confess the same thing. Go ahead. <laughs> I didn't realize that the Tharls or Birok were the people from Warrior's Gate until I listened to the behind-the-scenes stuff. So I didn't ta- it didn't take me that long. However... I went a good probably 20 minutes into this thinking they were saying the thralls. Yep. And I was like, wow, the, the, the thralls that's in that, like the, the, from the Daleks. What, wait a minute. And it, it wasn't until I think it's even when they encounter, uh, Barak, that wasn't when I, that wasn't until I realized, oh, they're saying Tharls, because then they sort of, that, the kind of that lion theming came about. And I thought, oh, this is who this is. And so it did hit me quite a bit sooner in this story of who, you know, who they were. Uh, but yeah, I, I admittedly, even for the first probably 20 minutes of this thing, was going, Thals? Are they, they talking about Thals <laughs> or Tharls? What it with? Anyway, so exactly yeah, exactly the same. It wasn't until they encounter Birog and they make the 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 lion description, uh, and I don't remember the line. But when the doctor says something about, "Oh, he's a friend of mine," and um, they specifically—I don't remember if it was East Space, but they they specifically dropped something related to that episode, and that's when it finally clicked. And I was like, "Oh." Oh yeah! Wow, that's an old school reference, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, of all of the episodes to go back and pull from, Warriors Gate. Okay, <laughs> so well, and they mentioned that the the the, I guess cell that they're keeping them in is reinforced with Thorstar alloy, so that they mm-hmm. because they can pass through virtually anything except for this substance, and so mm-hmm. that was one of those callbacks to um, uh, that as well. Yeah. 
Warriors Gate. But I, I have to say, the story is good enough that, um, retrospectively, the fact that it's Thralls and Birok elevates it, but as I listened to it, I still enjoyed it and thought it was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Although, no, it's a totally good story. It doesn't necessarily need the connection to those throwbacks in order for it to be a good mm-hmm. story. Yeah. Yeah. Although I do think that the end reveal I'm torn on. I like the fact that the doctor didn't actually kill them, but in the same time, this is the war doctor and kind of like Sean talked about when he was talking about when we first saw John hurt and the war doctor and all the, we heard about all the terrible things he had done. I, as this was going, I was like, Oh, this is one of those terrible things. He killed all of these, uh, this whole group of people and this basically almost committed genocide but in a because of a you know not just out of to have it done but to put them out of their misery well it was to, it was out of to honor save them and from compassion. something worse yeah right yeah yeah so he did something horrible out of honor and compassion and then they kind of undo that so it feels and it felt just like something the doctor would normally do. It didn't feel like it was anything more that the war doctor would have done to cross a line. Well, and I felt like he, it was moving towards that direction, and then they backed off of it. Well, so let I me, was a little disappointed in that Well, let me, let me put some perspective on this, because I think what we're missing here, because we don't have a lot of stories of the war doctor. All, we're, all we have is the rep- reputation that precedes him. Well, and I, this think, is true. I think that's what they might be able to mold this this doctor into is he has this reputation for all these bad things that he did and he even has the guilt for probably stepping up so close to having to do some of these things and that's why he's weathered by this being you know this warrior and he i don't think he has any um any sort of you know remorse or or or, uh what am i looking for any any ethics about killing daleks for sure. No. But no, uh, I think that maybe his reputation precedes him a little more. And then we we are making him out to have made worse decisions than than maybe he, he does. That was one of the things that I thought about this. And, and Sean had said on the last review about how the doctor's still looking for peaceful ways to resolve things. And I thought the same thing in that first story. I thought, oh, wow, he, you know, he hasn't quite. He hasn't kind of he hasn't really gone headlong into this warrior thing yet. He hasn't embraced it like maybe I expected, because I I did the same thing, Keith. I thought you know we hear so many of these bad things that he did, and part of the reason why he you know uh, disowned the name the doctor. And so in this one, when that happens, I I fell hook hook line and sinker for it. I thought, oh wow, okay, so you know. How do I forgive this guy for doing something that's very undoctor like? But it it was it was presented in such a way that it, you know it, it seemed like an, a, the honorable thing to do for them and a compassionate thing to do for them, and so it was the, either that or leave them to behind right, to be tortured right. and then killed. So I that mean. so that twist at the end, which I think the exposition of it was dragged out a little bit more. I don't think we needed to kind of. I don't think they needed to handhold us to in the reminders of how things played out. I think that was maybe yeah, a little no, heavy-handed. No. I think it, I, I figured it out. I, I understood it. It just needed a few, you know, this, this, and this happened. But when that unraveled, I kind of thought, oh, wow, okay, that was a very clever reveal because he still is that doctor that's going to find the alternate, you know, even if he's not going by the name of the doctor, he's 
he's still going to try to find that other way out of a situation the 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 higher road or the better way to do something or the 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 peaceful way to do something and and they did allude to that reputation aspect of it and the fact that you know tamazan now thinks that he did kill right right even though he didn't actually do it right and i I guess yeah we heard about it all but i and and i know the doctor himself post this regeneration doesn't remember how he resolved it he just knows that he resolved it and everything everybody's gone right but it feels like there is more weight there than just that and while yes this he's fighting daleks and and he's in the war that he didn't want to be a part of doing things like this where he finds the doctorly way to get out of it feels still like it's not like him doing the horrific things that he needs to shame himself for doing. Well, it, it feels like he's still being the eighth doctor in the war doctor story, but it's, it's early on too. So it is early on too. Know. So I, I guess my point is I hope that they do cross that line at some point in the future where he does something that he would not forgive himself for, but we could see why he would do it the way he did it. And we would be able to forgive him. Well, to be Frank, the first story of that actual John Hurt set, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was. I mean, he, he does only do the some. Monstrous. Yeah, only the monstrous. He does do some things that are very, very undoctor like in that one. And so I think yeah. by that time, I think, and, and I, those, if I remember right, some of those, even those stories are, le- you know, less warlike and more doctor like that we're going to hear but i think there are some things in there that he makes decisions i think okay that's very much along the lines of the war doctor which we'll get to you know when we get there later on too yeah yeah now this has been just far enough back for me that i'm struggling to remember all of the finer details of it uh i kind of remember the broad strokes of it is this the story where he had kind of a one-off companion yeah barak's sister i can't remember her okay um, Lorinus. Yeah, Lorinus. This is the one that I thought it was Lou Jameson. Oh, as the one-off companion? As, as the one-off companion, because she very much came across almost as a carbon copy of Leela. Oh, you know, she, she has early that... early Yeah, she has she kind the of warrior, that... warrior, the huntess. She has that primitive... T- she has that kind of primitive speak the way that she, that, that Leela does. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. As well. And, and it, that was another thing that, that it kept taking me out of the story a little bit because my brain kept trying to reconcile. And I think it's, <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons I missed the, 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 the thralls or thralls because I was so focused on that part of it that then when I finally got over the, no, that's not her. This is a completely different character. They're not doing it. It just it seems like she's patterned after Leela. And then they hit me with the Warrior's Gate, and I went, oh. Well, it's funny because... Okay, so well, there was kind of just a double <laughs> well, a double callback. But then, like you, when I listened to the behind-the-scenes stuff at the end, all of a sudden I was like, oh, she was involved, just not in the way I thought. <laughs> well, it's funny because the the way that... when You were talking about that first story um, uh, very much... Uh, as though that those gals were, and I, I think those gals. I don't think that they were even so much Leela ish as they were. They those gals. I equated it to Louise Jamison's like interview voice, and so you kept saying Leela, and I kept thinking, oh, okay, not she doesn't. They didn't have that like uh, primitive sound that she puts forward, but they had that really kind of that that timid, uh, uh, slow 
kind of deliberate cadence. And so that's what I thought you meant in that first story. And so I thought Ohila and the, the other gal were very much that type of person. So that's what I thought you meant. So in, in this particular story. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. In, the, yeah. in this one in particular. And see, in this particular story, I didn't, I no see, shades I of Leela for me. So. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to the next one. The Shadow Squad. Tamasan is unconvinced of the War Doctor's loyalties, though when their paths collide, both agree that the destruction of the Dalek time strategist could be the best route to victory. But on Etheria, Etheria, the Daleks may have found a way to annihilate all plans to defeat them before they even begin. We gotta come up with a different thing. Every time he does that, he clips out the mic and we can't hear him. You don't even hear the last bump. No, unless just, there wasn't the last bump. I'll take it from the. I'll take it from the. Yeah, I'll take it from the clapping out the mic that uh, Sean liked it. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, I like this one too. I the did story, too. The, the ideas behind this are just so. This is what I want from a, a war, time war story. Yeah, this is exactly the sort of thing I'm. I've been wanting to hear. It's got some fantastic ideas, and even more exciting, they are well executed yeah mm-hmm. yeah, yeah just the from, from top to bottom the whole concept of this is is fantastic but it's carried through with a a, a measure of rational logic to it that it, it, everything fits everything works everything makes sense and the performances <clears throat> which um I, I assume again it's nicholas briggs is everybody that's uh, in a dalek <laughs> casing his yes. his time strategist has always scared me because he's such a low register rumble that you 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 just it it really does give me the shivers when i'm in the car listening to this and then the thing starts up and it's talking it's like it's this this is just like evil incarnate and then he kind of one-ups himself with this uh what was it called the time annihilator uh, he was the eradicator, time eradicator, eradicator. Time eradicator. What, what, what a great name for a Dalek <laughs> time eradicator, <laughs> but the, the almost lighthearted, slightly insane sounding Dalek convoy. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I had. It was a Dalek convoy. Yeah. Definitely. And, which makes me wonder maybe if when the doctor sends him spiraling off through the the, the vortex at the end, if that maybe is going to play into it, that this is the origin of Dalek kind. We just didn't know it yet. Um, oh, I, uh, I don't think so. Cause Dalek Khan had its own backstory that, that wasn't the, that this wasn't part of it yeah. anyway. So, yeah, but they, all, all they said with Dalek Khan was that he was in a battle and lost his shield and got thrown back into the time well, vortex and was buffeted by the time, which is what gave him this ability. Well, yeah, uh, but he was, if... he was a, he was the attack leader of the, um, what were they? The 13th assault group. Is that what they called him? The cold Scarrow. They were chosen. He was chosen to be part of cold Scarrow. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that there was this step <laughs> in between that and yeah, him going crazy. He went, he basically went crazy because he flew through the, uh, basically the time lock and to yeah. rescue Davros. So, yeah, I, I didn't get the impression that 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 that's that they were one and the same or or connected in any way. But but 
I agree that he had he very much had Dalek Con vibes for the most part. But yeah, that, and that's what honestly almost I th- I think maybe made him scarier because there was a level of I don't say nice, but <laughs> there was a level of transcendence to him. Yes, a transcendence, yes. a level of civility. Mm-hmm. Well, that was scary. He's almost um, toying with the doctor. He's almost yeah. he's almost playing with the doctor here, and that's what makes him even creepier. Creepy is a good word because that's just that's just what he came across. I mean, he he just has this ah, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was such a, such an interesting um, contradiction between the two. Because, like I said, we, the. You, you, the Daleks and the, the Emperor is is very big and bombastic and loud, and the yeah. Dalek strategist is on the other end where it's so low of a, a rumble to him that you know he doesn't have quite the same gravitas that the Emperor has well, size wise, but yet you yeah. still are more afraid of him because of the mm-hmm. way that he presents himself. And this thing's just kind of out there doing its own thing. And it, that, that to me is almost worse because it's not grounded in a typical Dalek sound. Yeah. It just, just that, that, that floored me more than anything else. I would agree. And I think the time strategist, I think he was creepy in a way because while he was a lot more timid than say most of the, the, you know, even the, the, um, regular Daleks, but, uh, certainly more so than the, the, uh, um, emperor, but he always had sort of this cold calculating tone to him and which makes sense. I mean, the guy's a strategist, he's, he's thinking ahead. And so I've always thought that was creepy, but this, yeah, because of that vibe that this one gives off where it's a, he's, he's kind of just callously playing with the doctor and playing with this idea of, I have a one up on you, no matter what you do that made him even more creepy. Yeah. Um, the, the, the revelation that this weapon that they're looking for, I did not see that coming, that the weapon was a Dalek. I thought that was <laughs> yeah, a neat reveal, especially since the weapon gets to reveal itself. <laughs> that was kind of neat. Um, this, the, the concept of the time Lords being, uh, smart enough. Catching, catching wind of this. Yes. Yeah plan of the Daleks and right. planting going back and planting as whole squad to grow up I mean, from infancy. This is <laughs> this is the man. This is a sleeper cell that is I mean it's not even a sleeper cell. It's a what would you say? It's it's a um just this covert cell that the time uh strategist and the uh, eradicator cannot see. And it was so clever. I loved it. I thought it was such a great yeah. idea to have this this squad. I like that it sets up with the one timeline where the guy who you know it, the, the 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 eradicator finds this guy and they go and take him out of time and that's how they set this whole thing up. And I thought, where are they going to go with that? And then to loop and book in that back at the end, where when those guys don't exist anymore in that form, but this guy has come another way around in this new reality. And he has a family and all the things that these, these kids basically didn't get. And the, uh, uh, eradicator timeline. I thought that was really neat to kind of fold that over and, and bookend it that way. Yeah, it really was. It's another example of one of the, you know, 
closed loop paradoxes that we get so often in Doctor Who, but done so well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, really, really, really liked this story. And having the War Doctor and Tamazan together for a full story was <laughs> and just a delight to hear them banter. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Bicker, I guess, is the better word. <laughs> Anybody else internally screaming when she sets off to do the thing? It's like, stay in the house, Carl. <laughs> Tamazan has a kind of Alistra vibes to her. She's not quite Alistra. She doesn't have that same callous uh, edge to her that that Alistra does but they they very very similar characters well she it's it i get the impression that you know she had studied under the desk of Alistra. yeah you know? oh absolutely she, she's definitely one of the ones that Alistra's grooming right yeah i want to be you when i grow up yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much absolutely yeah this 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 story just it's so well done it's so well put together and while it it's it's another one of these ones, and I think I said this about one of the Eighth Doctor stories that we reviewed last time. But it's it's a story that's complex, but is delivered in simple enough terms that it doesn't get mired in its own complexity. And so I think that you know it kind of has sort of those high minded ideas, those those wacky you know connecting with different temporal timelines and things like that that could end up an author could get make that really confusing and then just kind of use some cycle babble to get around it. This doesn't do that at all. It really kind of simplifies that concept and that idea so that the delivery of that is very straightforward. And this was written by the guy who wrote full circle. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Believe it or not. There you go. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's, he's come a long way. I was going to say, he's really polished his, <laughs> his writing style, hasn't he? Was, was Full he's Circle, that's, that's the first uh, East Space That's the first Adric story, right? So that's the guy that actually was, he was like, wasn't he like 17 or something when he wrote that? Yeah, he, he was, was like super young. super young, yeah. He's definitely grown into his abilities. He definitely has, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's 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 great. I mean, he, he has come a long way. Now, to be to be fair, Full Circle had some really good concepts. I don't know that the delivery yeah. was as good, but it had it conceptually. It was had the some execution, good ideas. I yeah. think, that fell short on right. Full Circle. I, I would agree. Anyway, yeah, no, just a really solid box set. I think uh, mm-hmm. this is this this box set builds on itself from story one to story three. It really kind of crescendos into this really kind of really big epic fun not fun uh in, intriguing story at the end and so this the structure of this a lot of times i think we feel like we have a box set that sort of dips in the middle but i don't really feel like this ever dips i think it just i think this is kind of a, a slope up into and, and better and better and better as it goes oh and what's nice about this box set too is that there isn't necessarily an overarching story other than the War Doctor's progression. Right, it's right. kind of three standalone stories, yeah. which is kind of a nice, refreshing change of pace considering all of the Time War stuff we've listened to recently. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They all say who is Doctor Who? Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. 
I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram, putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up next on the schedule, we step away from the Time War to review the recently released Abominable Snowmen. Patrick Troughton story that has been animated and uh, come to the States. I cannot wait to get back into that one. Return to Detsen. Uh, and then we come back to the Time War with The War Doctor Begins Warbringer, which is the second box set of the Young War Doctor's Adventures. And then we start a little fun thing that we're calling Season 6B and uh, taking a look at what happens to uh, Patrick Troughton when he comes back to the well, the second Doctor, when he comes back to the role uh, forcibly. Via the <laughs> to, be, to be clear, we didn't coin that phrase. We didn't coin Season that. 6B has been around. <laughs> we're, we're calling it Season 6B because that's what it is. Because that's what it is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so true so true and i'm looking forward to doing that because we've we this is something we've talked about probably since the early days of this podcast we've talked about tackling the season 6b story arcs and how they fit in the second doctor's uh, era and how they how, how they really kind of make things that happen later retroactively work so it'll be fun to do all right, well, of course, you can uh, continue to follow us on our website, TravelingTheVortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our patron link and consider supporting us there. When you become a patron of this podcast, you unlock more audios and specials by us. We've got a couple of quiz shows up there. We'll have another quiz show headed coming up uh, probably in a week or so. And then uh, we plan to have one each month. I've also got another comic review that's... Uh, uh, just polishing up, finishing now. That'll be going up soon. So we'll have another uh, group of audios for you fresh for next month. So in order to get a hold of those, you uh, have to be a uh, patron member. So we appreciate our uh, patron members. And every dollar that you give us goes right back into this podcast. Uh, none of that's kept by us. We turn it back into this so that we can continue to give you uh, more, hopefully, quality shows in the future. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast. It helps bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. And make sure you join in the conversations on our listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing ya. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point!
Direction Point. A Doctor Who Podcast Network.